listening to the Not Your Average Culture podcast, where we have candid conversations about personal growth, business, and creativity. Because let's be honest, creative or not, life can get messy, especially if you are a creative entrepreneur. But you don't have to go at it alone. There's a whole community and culture around the lifestyle of creatives. So here on this podcast, I'm making this space to have open conversations with a wide range of dynamic people about how to successfully maintain your business, keep your sanity, while owning your authenticity and staying inspired along this journey. I'm your host, Chardonnay. Let's get to it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Not Your Average Culture podcast. For those who might be tuning into the podcast for the very first time, the theme for this season is creative flow. And I'll talk all about that in the intro episode to this season. So if you're interested, be sure to go check out that episode. But in short, basically, I'm on a personal journey of figuring out my work-life balance and figuring out a personal routine so I don't experience burnout while still maintaining a sense of community and having a social life. Because your girl has to have a life too. It's not all about work and no play. So in today's episode, I'm interviewing Jermaine who is all about building community and has, in fact, built an entire business around it. So we're going to dive into this episode to learn more about the co-founder and a little bit of what went into building this social club, community, and creative space at Ground Floor. My first question for you is, this is an icebreaker question, but Would you leave your hometown forever or stay in your hometown forever? That's a good question. I guess hometown would be considered as London. If you want my unfiltered opinion, I would love to stay in London just because, you know, I think London culture, especially London black culture is very, very distinct. It's very loud and we're just very passionate about representing London. And there's just like, it's just so multicultural and diverse and just see and just feel like there's like an abundance of energy that's always going on. You know, I, I guess the closest comparison is like New York, but New York's like London on steroids. I think that's kind of a bit too much, but yeah, I, I would stay, I would stay. <laughs> nice. London is one of those places that's on my bucket list of places to go. I feel like within the past few years or so, like London is definitely like a travel destination for the people that's here in the state. Like I've been seeing a lot more people get out there to London and I didn't even realize it was such a a big black culture out there in London but yeah yes I hope I trust me definitely (laughs) if you get out there let me know I definitely will I definitely will so a little bit about me I'm not sure if you got a chance to do a google search or anything but I'm a podcaster a videographer I still have a full-time job and I also have a freelance videography company and so yeah I'm originally Born and raised from Chicago. I took the leap to the Bay Area about five or six years ago. So you might hear that little Southern twang. Sometimes <laughs> I can hear your Southern draw and I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have an accent. So another question I have for you is if you had 15 minutes of fame, what would you do with it and why? Like if this was like a nationally syndicated television show or radio show, what would you do with your 15 minutes of fame? Dang. Wow. Never really thought about this, but I think try, I think trying to just talk about empathy is something that 
I don't think, I think people are very aware, but I don't think a lot of people, one, really know what empathy is and two, sometimes they're necessarily sure of that. Coming out of the back of the pandemic, I think one thing that I sort of learned was just trying to understand or at least not comprehend other people's situations. I think you just never know someone's story, even how great or glossy it might be from the front. And so just being able to like give people space to be able to process things, I think is really important. And I think that's all related to just being an empathetic human being. And I think a lot of us in this world could, yeah, just do it, do it, do a bit more because I think it would improve a lot of how a lot of us feel and so forth. Nice. So the reason why I asked you that question, because that leads into a question about your Forbes interview, the Forbes article talking about ground floor and the company that you created. So can you share with me and for those who are just being introduced to you and ground floor for the first time, share a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, for sure. So name's Jermaine, Jermaine EJ, I'm Nigerian, but born and raised in London. Okay. And one of the co-founders at Ground Floor, which is a social space, social community space. In essence, we were born out of pandemic, really trying to cure for social isolation. You know, what we noticed as a founding theme was just how detrimental being at home quite constantly can, can be for your mental well-being. And thinking about like, if this is just impacting us and you are which who I would consider pretty, pretty extremely social, like what I must be doing for other people who may be like more introverted or timid or shy. And so from that point out, she's back in early, gosh, early 2021, my co-founder and friend, longtime friend, Jamie reached out to me just to discuss it, just in more detail. And at first I was, I was a bit skeptical because I thought we were going to come out of the pandemic. Maybe in like a few months, even after that year, but that clearly wasn't the case and we were in it for that long haul. So I, I definitely felt like I, I took a bet on, on him and what we were discussing and really wanted to, I think, be able to create spaces where people could be their like most creative self, but also their most vulnerable self whilst being able to build community and feeling safe and secure. And thing for us was that there were many spaces, I think traditionally that allowed you to do that. I think religious institutions, maybe like church, I think college, sometimes school, places where, you know, you, you were there for repeated bouts of time with people who were from different backgrounds. Yeah. As we grow, as we all know, our time starts with um, quite limited and quite monotonous and shamey. And so we, as adults, I think sometimes are a bit too serious and start to not realize how important it is to continue building our community because that because our interests do change. And sometimes the people who we've been friends with for, I don't know, a decade, their interests may just not align anymore. So we wanted to build a space where it really took into account all of those things where you could like trial new things, have new experiences, whether it's activities or even just needed a space to go and collaborate and think and be productive. It, it, we just wanted it to feel like a, an extension of your home where it can be whatever you want it. And so that's really what Ground Floor is, is a, as they say, a social community space within neighborhoods, trying to bring things closer to people because as they say, people are spending more time in it, it, by the residential homes, just because the way that we interact with the world has like changed for the long haul. Some people are still in office, but 
is definitely a segment of individuals who are working from home and that just reduces the amount of social interaction we have as a full population. So ground floor is really meant to be a place of solace, a place to escape, a place to work, a place to collaborate, or, and even just a place to have fun. And we primarily, primarily target like people in their like, I like to say late twenties to like late forties. Reason being is that when I was in my twenties, I was like out partying and doing all sorts of stuff. And I think in your twenties, you're just a bit like more exploratory and experimental and like you don't mind putting yourself out because you're still like learning about yourself. I think as you start to grow old, you just start to know what you want as an individual, even if not the specific thing, at least the direction you want to take or where you want to be. Sure. A lot of what happens at Grad 4 is that there's a lot of programming and all yeah. events and programming really is about you trying to find out a bit more about what you, you know, about yourself, a lot of self-development, self-growth, and when doing that, as I say, with other people who have those same intentions. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much what Grand Floor is. You know, we've got a location in San Francisco, Oakland, another one open on San Rafael, and then they um, the next couple of months. Um, and yeah, just taking every day as it comes really. So I have so many more follow-up questions because there were a lot of different like nuggets in the thing, in the things that you said. So first off, you, are you based in London? No, no, I'm based in San Francisco. I'm in the city. Okay, so you're based in San Francisco. Okay. So one of the things I wanted to kind of like explore more is, okay, what was your day-to-day like when you just decided like, okay, let's launch this thing with like a social community? Like, what was your day-to-day like? And like, did you have any type of blueprint for other models that were successful and that worked as you all started to go on this path of creating this space like how did you all know like this thing will work because as you mentioned you all now have not only have one place you all have multiple locations of this social club so yeah i'm just kind of curious like what was your day-to-day like then and what was the blueprint for building this thing out yeah it's so day-to-day i had oh yeah so i guess it had been i had like a full-time job i worked as a product manager in like a tech startup in London. Um, so I would do that day to day, but I was working remotely. So when remote working, you can like do other things. You've got a bit more free reign. I know everyone hates, I'm not trying to get people in trouble, but you know, <laughs> that's just, that's just what it is. And so I would try and spend times of my day, my downtime, it's an after hours, just really like, I would go to Jamie's house in the kind of mine, and we would just like be like written and just trying to like work out what it is exactly that, you know, what were we, what do we want out? Because we were in the, we were in the demographic, right? It was really trying to just think of like, okay, what would we like to see? And then that was, we, and we did that in relation to other blueprints. So there's other clubs, more bougie and extreme social clubs. You've got like some house, lots of like in the SF, you've got the battery. And you've got like other types of clubs, even just country clubs and stuff. And the thing with those that we did see was like, sometimes there was like a great sense of camaraderie that was built there. However, the biggest problem was that it was very elitist, it was very usually white, and it's like, they have a expensive to join as well. So, you know, we, we definitely knew there was good, there was pros, there was cons, and we wanted to make something that was a bit more in the middle. And that was like really well designed around how people like 
live day to day post pandemic, as I say, like a good portion of Amagrass or maybe the people who work remotely. So they sometimes kind of work and get, get work done on the space. Obviously some people still go in and they'll come and use ground floor purely totally after hours and on the weekends. So I think just like trying to think of those two things. And then as I say, looking relating to some other places, but the other places just weren't really hitting. I think, you know, you can look at like a WeWork, which, you know, having glass offices was yeah, once cool, once upon a time, but it don't mean nothing. Like it, there's no community just like we're in a fancy office, right? So I glass floor, we wanted to take a bit more of like a helping hand to really trying to understand how connection, our relationships are actually for. We as a team are quite obsessive over trying to understand, you know, human psychology of, of an individual and trying to create the environments where relationships can flourish and where people feel like, you know, people are listening as well, which I think is kind of critical. So that's, yeah, that's sort of what we've always like tried to anchor on. Nice. So another thing that you brought up, you said that some of the other social clubs that are out there are kind of bougie and they don't really always tailor toward folks that look look like us, which is another reason why I invited you on the podcast is because the whole background behind why I started my my podcast is because coming from the Midwest to the Bay Area, it's a culture shock just in the way people live, the way people think. And something that you said was just like, you know, other social clubs, they may be bougie, but outside of socializing, accessibility is a really big thing for me in particular, because as a creative entrepreneur and somebody that does, you know, audio and video, it's not often that people that look like us, we go into these careers because oftentimes, you know, we want, we've probably went the, the route of going like doctor, lawyer, you know, trying to do those folks careers that give you some type of financial stability. But the root of what I'm trying to ask you is like outside of socializing and accessibility, as you all were building this thing, and when you start to create something like this, it's like, all right, how do you balance and navigate creating these beautiful spaces that you all have? Because when I checked out the one in Oakland, I was like, wow, like this place is nice. Like, like all the different like rooms, you could just tell that it was very detailed. It was very curated, each little nook and cranny, like you all did your thing. But I'm just wondering, like, how do you balance navigating, creating these beautiful spaces for people to join, but still make it accessible and also a profitable business? Because once you create these things, it's like, all right, this is cool to create, but it also costs a little bit of coin to create these types of things and spaces. So it's like, all right, I want to make some things that are accessible to my people. So yeah, walk me through how, yeah, how you are. Yeah, doing. it's tough. It's tough. I'm not going to lie and say it's not because anyone who says otherwise is definitely lying. I think, you know, historically black and brown folk have definitely undergone, you know, a, you know, a lot of like financial hardship just because of the, like the infrastructure that was put in place was obviously born to limit us. So that, that, that's something that we always, we always recognize and share whenever we open these locations and we're like trying to formulate the business models, we will always like have a segment of like our projections, which are solely like subs, like what we like put to be subsidized against. So like their segment of 
you know, individuals who do come from more underserved market communities. And so we just always take that into account, if I'm being honest, and always know that, okay, maybe 25% or 30% of our membership base do need to be subsidized. Therefore, we need to make it work in other ways. And, you know, at Ground Floor, we host like, like more corporate events as well sometimes because, you know, we, we also need to have other avenues for, for revenue to allow for, you know, as I've always said, everyone along the spectrum to be in the room, because I think that's directly tied to socially progressive discourse. It's something that at Ground Floor, we always talk about how we wanted to create an equitable membership base as well as representative. And sometimes, you know, even with opening up in Marin, many individuals have said, obviously Marin is like more white for sure, but there's definitely like people who not necessarily white, who are trying to find sort of safe spaces. And so we really do spend a lot of time with outreach, trying to seek those, those individuals and groups out and let them know that look, we're building this, we want it to be a space that they recognize, feel comfortable within and sort of can come to. And so I think that's the greatest thing about ground floor. We try not to think that, ah, uh, because maybe representation amongst other subsets of, you know, races and cultures might be lower. That's not to say that they're not there and therefore we want someone should try and build something for them. I think that is a bit of a cop out in my personal opinion and an excuse. So that's how we see it. I think, you know, it always will be tough. We, we spend a lot of time really trying to understand how best to also just leverage what we have. You know, we, we, we definitely, you know, coming up with San Francisco as the initial sort of HQ blueprint has definitely showed other individuals and whether that be like commercial partners or just like consumers that we mean what we say. And this really does have like a wider impact on not just the four walls of ground floor, but a wider neighborhood. And, you know, our social footprint is, is much bigger than that. So that's how we try to like balance it. it it's not, it's not an easy part, as I say, but I think with a bit of thought and also just staying true to, to, to that. Like, I think as a team at, at ground floor, like we're very, we've always spoken about just like accountability and being very, very transparent. And we always want to do that, especially with our machine and our intentions and don't ever want to dive that away from it because I think that then reduces the magic that ground floor has on certain people's lives. Nice. And something else that, that you mentioned is just like the intentionality around building community. I think even as people are applying to be a part of the social club, you all interview people individually. So walk me through that interview process. And even I think it's so smart too, because just looking at, I guess you could say the growth cycle or culture. I don't think people realize this, but I've always known early on 50% of your time you spend at work. And then the other 50% of your time you spend either at home or within your communities or your network. So you might as well enjoy it. But as we grow older in the phases of life, you go from having these little bubbles that you were put in when you're at school, when you're at work, these little microcosms or climates or whatever. And so I think it's so intentional. One, the age group that you're specifically targeting, but also just creating the space because a lot of people are noticing more and more, like it's hard to make friends as an adult. It is so hard. So yeah, just walk me through the thought process 
and just like the interview process for the intake of the people coming inside of the social community. Yeah. So, you know, this is something that we did from day, day zero was just, it's just have conversations. I don't even like to call it an interview. It's hella formal. We're not formal. It's just a conversation. And, you know, in that, in that conversation for us, what we're really trying to figure out is like what your white, like white ground for, because I believe there's hella spaces in this world, hella communities. So what makes you, what seems, what seems to you different about ground floor? What do you like feel that ground floor can give you that you can't get somewhere else? So we're trying to really put it back because we know what we stand for, right? And so it's very obvious in our market material, our websites, wherever. And so I'm trying to figure out from that individual, okay, what like resonates with you, what speaks to you and why, like why now as well is another question. Because I think a lot of people in that like community in general as a term, I think that means many different things. To many mm -hmm. different people. I think the word gets thrown around quite a lot, especially during the pandemic. As a lot of people were talking about like, oh, I miss my community or my community's name. And I'm, and I spend a lot of time trying to figure out, and I also ask even people when we're having conversations with perspective up and, okay, what does community mean to you? Now, like, what do you, like, what do you actually mean by And sometimes people with that. Yeah, you know, just being around like like-minded people, and I'm like, that. I mean, that's great, but that's is there like I, I'm trying to go a level deeper. Like, is there like a certain interaction that you may have? Is it like a conversation, or are you having discussions around something? I don't know what it is, and so I'm trying to gain clarity on what it means to people and trying to understand people's involvement in understanding that community takes a concerted effort. Community is a two-way exchange between three different entities. And you need to understand that at times you might, you know, get less than you give out and you have to be fine with that. Unfortunately, that's just how it works. It, it is very volatile at times because you are involving real humans emotions where they are that day and time. So you need to be kind of up for that. And so these are the things and conversations I'm trying to have to find out about. People and what you'll notice and what I've noticed is that by self-selection, people are either like, yes, I'm in, or nah, they said for me, they sell that work. <laughs> <laughs> and they it for itself. And so, you know, that, that's how we've always been. Like whenever, you know, unless like someone really is opposed or the, the, to our values, then obviously it just doesn't work. But other than that, it could just be like where people are in their life on, on that stage, as you say. Some people that also don't realize that they have really busy social cannibals already and they don't really have time for anyone new. And therefore it makes us think, you know, some, some individuals don't realize that, that it could be seen as like a status play, which is the thing that they're trying to not, not make it be, but you know, your, your behavior says otherwise. So that's, that, that's really what the process is about more than any, yeah, that's, that, that's it. There's no. As I always like to say to people, there's no art to the science. It's just like madness and chaos. But it kind of, it kind of works. And then it works for us. So, yeah. Nice. So I kind of have a selfish question to ask around community and what goes into building it. Because I'm curious to know how exactly do you all do it? And for context behind why I'm asking this question is because Coming out of the pandemic, I'm realizing building a community can show up in many ways. 
It can be a digital community. It can be an in-person community. It can be a highly involved and engaged community or a community that's low lived and passive. So the reason I ask is because I'm realizing a bunch of stuff, even within that statement I just made. Number one, there are a ton of other creators similar to me that don't even realize that when you do something similar to what I do, which is podcasting and videography or content creation, it's a very extroverted thing that has the potential to be highly visible, but it's also a very introverted craft. Like when I get to editing content or planning content, it's primarily me doing it all. And then it's not until when I'm ready to share it out or when I need to film and record something, that's when I'm having the most interaction and engaging with others. The second thing I'm realizing is three years coming out of this pandemic, there have been lots of individuals that have made very drastic moves, especially if you live in a city like New York, Atlanta, or the Bay Area. I made and took the leap of relocating before all of this happened, and I know what it's like to uproot your life and move to a new state. So I've personally sat still, but... What I'm realizing is no matter if you stay somewhere or left, building and finding community is still very different because if you're not in a school environment or work environment where you go into an office, what you do and how you interact with people on a day to day has vastly changed and is very different. So I've been trying to figure out how do I curate a creative community where I'm at and make it something that's low lift, but also something that's fulfilling? Wow. So I guess a bit of, a bit of insight is that my, my background is also in like data analytics. So I've spent a lot of time uh, just understanding just like people's like behaviors, especially just like from like a business perspective on, on like an app or website or whatever it might be. And also just like trying to understand how best to group, categorize individuals with others who maybe alike or may have some sort of compatibility. Let's call it compatibility as opposed to anything else. That's really what it is. And so just over, I think just over time, you know, since we've since we begun and we, we always knew that this was quite a fundamental piece in what we were trying to build in terms of that. It was definitely not like the end all be all because we, what Grapple is trying to do, especially with on the tech side, is like enhance in real life like experiences. We're not trying to like create some like digital world and like physical world experience and because it becomes very disconnected. A problem with like the likes of I don't know, on Facebook and Instagram and stuff that like all, all of these bigger like companies, social companies anyways, are trying to also understand our behaviors offline. It's very difficult to do so. There's no bridging of the gap. Um, and so for us, we just really wanted to specialize in just enhancing what's already there with technology, as opposed to like trying to reinvent the wheel. So, you know, we would always want to, you know, while we have those conversations, as I said, during the process is like, I'm also building up a profile of who that individual technically is in my, in, in my head, on our, on our back end to really try to see also, is there a fit for them here? Cause and so you also don't want to introduce someone into a community where there's just like nothing, in, like nothing in common. And I'm not even talking even just on based off of like interest, talking maybe like where they are in life or personality or whatever it might be, because it just might 
most likely it's probably not going to work. And sometimes it's not even worth the risk of doing that because it could upset balance of the wider community, right? So we, I think we're just a bit more, like a bit more tactical with those type of things. And then we really try to identify like different like interactions that people make, but then what happens with all of this, it goes into a little special thing and that special thing really just helps us provide like an app or, or, or whether and then we can just like suit one another. Um, but it's really all based off of our like internal learning from applicants, even visitors who visit ground floor all the way through to members. And even when, you know, we may off order members or some members decide to like pack up and leave like California or SX and therefore, you know, if there's not grass floor, they may like leave their membership, they get the membership and we have like even offboarding calls. We're always trying to figure out, we're trying to constantly close the loop and just like iterate on that full customer experience because at the end of the day, like as it is a business, yes, it's a membership, but they're a customer and we're on the business side. And so we also need to be just very tactile about all of that. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And would you have any quick tips for those that you could share with people interested in creating their own social club or creative space that may not come from like a technical background or a data-driven or a psychological background? Any quick tips you can share with those types of people? Yeah, I think, you know, I think well, one tip definitely is, is like, just listen to like, listen to people. Sometimes I'd like, be a fly on the wall and just observe. I spend a lot of time just listening and, and not doing. You'll probably do some more doing, but this thing, it really does guide how I just operate even in my personal life. I think listening is like really key and being as close to the consumer as possible during that, whether it's their existing journey to understand where the, like, where the gaps are, right? Because but you can only build for that because I think it's very difficult to always said it's very difficult to change people's like habit because it's already inbuilt, ingrained and shared. It's more about trying to find, figure out like what, what people's like actual problems are. And I think especially when trying to create like a social club, whether it be a digital space or a physical space, you really just have to have all ears going because there's like little pieces of gold, gold dust in the information from quality like data that people are talking about or conversing on. Um, and then another thing I'd say is, which I think at times is finding out what people, like what people want, even though like, I, I do believe people don't want majority of the time, what anyone says, but like, you need to ask the question, you need to probe. I try to probe quite a lot now, even in like, as I say, conversations I have with applicants and so forth, you need to be cute. You just need to be very curious. Is my thing curious and inquisitive. And then lastly, the last thing is just do it. <laughs> I, I generally believe that myself, Jamie, Trim, our third coach, and even just like uh, two of our founding team members, we just do, we, it's just about execution. Like something that Jamie's always said and it's always stuck on me and it's how I make my decisions is if you're 60% sure, go for it. Like you, you can never wait. I mean, you can be like 90% for sure, but good luck. No one's got the time for that. So 60% sure. I think, especially when you're starting something new, there's going to be so many unknowns and you can only know some do it my, in the best way, I think. So those, those, those are the main things. And I think just last point is 
just being really like, I think just being really clear of yourself with the type of space you're trying to create and who that space is for. I think we've always been very like clear on, on the ground floor is for and why. I think having that piece of clarity just helps you sort of stay true to what you're trying to do. And also just like not divert as well, because it can be very easy to divert based on like one piece of feedback. They're like, oh my God, I'm so in this. And they're like, I need to change. Yeah, staying true to your mission. Because I, I do think that people who are trying to create space, spaces for people, for individuals, there is definitely something that spoke to them that, that, that it's very rarely that they did it for no, no real reason. Sometimes what you find is not so just making their actually designed out of like pure vanity and they're just like hospitality plays. But I think there's a real amount of like, genuine people today who are experiencing something and want to help sort of create something that helps others. So just saying true to that. That's real. Hiccups, challenges, things that you had to navigate. Hindsight, is there anything you would have done differently within your process or advice on things people should avoid? Mm, this one, this one's kind of hard, but the biggest thing is in fact, yeah, really, really consider you need a physical space. I believe ground floor does for sure, but I, I don't, I think for certain groups or communities, like, or people who are trying to do it. Yeah. Really, really think about that because real estate is hella expensive. It's not, especially in the Bay. Like, how did you, did you, were you all venture backed or anything? Yeah, we, yeah, we were, we were, okay. we were initially, we were, but it's. Yeah, it's timely, it's costly, working with like builders and construction, like it's just a whole thing. And you know, Jamie, he's an architect by training, sure. or, or even though he went into tech after he had that like core knowledge and that's something which really helps us navigate pretty heavily how we operate in this space. But as he, had he not had that, then yeah, it would have been tough. <laughs> It would have been tough because you're, you then end up just paying for someone to do it and who knows how much, you know, is really worth that. So I, I, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I consider for sure. I, as I said, it's not a for ground floor per se, but it's definitely something that loads and loads and loads of guys always, everyone always talks about real estate is like a logistical nightmare. It, you need to be kind of brain, like kind of mad to want to try and do it and then try and scale it like all the things. So yeah, that, 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 that's the biggest thing. And then I think, you know, last thing is, oh yeah, just also like lastly being very, yeah, don't, when you're trying to cultivate culture, like it takes time. And so just being very patient is what I would say, because I remember there was like, I think a week where we were like, oh, really early on. And we are like, yeah, we'll accept everyone. And we started having a hell of an application. And then a lot of it was just, yeah, just not the right crowd. <laughs> but the right crowd. Yeah. And we were like, no, this would just like kill the experience off. So yeah, just being patient. You need to be patient with like building community, building a culture. These things can't be rushed because why? They involve human beings. So it just takes time. And you need to get human beings buy-in, which trust and safety, you know, as I said, Rome 
wasn't built in a day. I'm not going to trust in safety. So just, you know, yeah, just be my, be, be, be cautious about that stuff. Protect, protect people's energy, protect your own energy, protect your culture. I love that. So I'm going to wrap up the podcast. I won't eat up too much of your time today. I just have a few questions that's geared toward providing a fun call to action and takeaway for listeners. So I usually like to call this like the culture challenge of the podcast. But yes, my first question is, and I feel like you kind of led, you started the interview with this, but what is one thing that you have observed that has become a common trend amongst people that you would like to challenge people to do or think about differently for one week? And they said, you know, I had to start like, just, just really take time to recognize that, you know, people, no matter what sort of face or facade they're putting on today, that some people are going for it and you ain't, you don't even realize that. So just take time, take time is, is my saying, just take time. <laughs> and my last question is, I feel like I know the answer to this already, just from us, like talking in this short time, but. Would you rather be a creative person or a technical person and why? I would rather, no, nah, I would rather be creative. What? Why? The technical side, but it's like, I think it's kind of, it's kind of, there's like, there's a lot of beauty in, you know, building something that feels like an art, it's like a craft, not to say you can't do that technically, but you know, it's like trying to isolate too, which at times I think it's, you know, kind of difficult to do so because I think. They're both creative in their own right, but it's, uh, yeah, being, being a creative where, you know, you've got a talent and you really like love that talent and people get so much joy out. I think the trouble that a lot of art, creative people and artists and so forth have is sometimes, yeah, monetizing your craft, right? It's the, it's the, it's the conversation and dilemma that is spoken about like over and over again, you know, I think. Things are definitely changing. There's, there's definitely a bit of a learning curve happening and people are getting more versed in that, in that aspect of like business and stuff, but still like, you know, business is business. It's like being technical. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I lean more towards the creative side, but in the beginning of my journey, I was like, all right, I've decided to pursue this creative path. Now, how do I make a living? How do I live off of this? this creativity or this art type of thing. But I think as you lean into your craft, you just come across things and people that kind of show you, all right, like this is how you, you know, can make a living from pursuing the arts. And so, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I did make this podcast because it's my way of kind of just sharing with folks like, hey, like these are some different avenues or paths that people are taking. And it also takes a lot of like courage to kind of pursue a creative path because you don't know if you're going to be successful or not. You just have no idea. So it's just good to just find and hear the other stories of people that are making a way, even if it wasn't like a blueprint laid out for them, because it kind of puts that idea that you may have in the back of your head. It kind of makes it tangible when you see someone else who's doing it. And especially when you see people that are like us, that are creating dope stuff like faces that you all have created to just kind of be like, okay, maybe I can do this type of thing. So yeah, that that concludes the podcast. That's all the questions I have for you. But also just like to leave a little bit of space for if you have any other questions that came up during our 
call or a chit chat or yeah, just if there's anything else you have questions about. Yeah, I, I mean, one, uh, only one, I, I won't take up too much of time, but what does community, what, 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 what the community mean to you? I always like ending stuff like that. Yeah. So that's something I am currently, I'm currently on a journey of figuring that out. For me, I think I lean more towards the creative co- community and I'm actually listening to this book right now. Hold on. I'm going to share it with you because I love, I, I'm such a nerd. I'm a bookworm. Let me pull up the the title of the book. I should probably know that, but it's called A Renaissance of Your Own. Um, have you heard of that? No, I need to be more of a bookworm. Well, I'm listening to it. It's an audio book. It's called a memoir, a memoir and manifesto of reimagining. And it's basically just like this woman's story of like how she had to reimagine, you know, like what her life looked like outside of the traditional norms of like society. So to answer your question about community, another thing about how, why TikTok probably targeted me is because I'm in a space where I'm like, I want to be amongst other creatives, other people who are just working on like dope shit, like. I'm I'm always doing things if it's not my podcast or video projects that I'm getting pulled in on. I I sew. I'm always like, I don't know why I'm like this, but I'm always like, can I build this instead of go out and buy it? Even if I have no woodworking skills or anything <laughs> of that nature, I'm I'm just such a creative at heart. And so I just really like being around other creatives who are just doing dope stuff because sometimes it inspires me to think about things differently or they just kind of have the same mindset that I have. It's not like uh, people that aren't in a creative field, you have to kind of find your people, find your tribe. And that's kind of what I've always done because for me, I don't come from a family where they're pursuing the arts. They're very traditional, like they are teachers or nurses or they're in them and like the military. So it's like, a guaranteed trajectory or a path for for them. And so with me, I've had to like carve out my own community of people who just kind of know that there may be moments in your work world where you'll have a ton of clients or there may be moments where you don't have any clients. And so it's like having that community of creative people that know the ebbs and flows of like entrepreneurship or just the industry and the environment of like, having moments where you have big projects that you're working on and then that downtime and knowing what other creatives do during that downtime, it it's nice to just lean on that community. So just know like, all right, I'm not crazy. I'm not just out here winging stuff. There's other people out here that's doing it. So I think that's another reason why I gravitated towards the Bay as well, because the technology and the startup culture is like a normal thing out here. Like some people would, when I got out here, people were like, yeah, I just left my job. I'm about to start, do a startup and blah, blah, blah. But if you come from the Midwest, people are like, what are you doing? How are you going to eat? How are you going to live? How are you going to survive? And that's how my mom was when I first moved out here. And I would be like, yeah, I just left this job because it just wasn't it. And she would be like, girl, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the best way to, I promise you, that's the best way to be. Like, you know, I think you do just end up figuring it out if you really want to. And, you know, I think 
luckily enough, sometimes, you know, some of us are more fortunate than others, but just even going back to talking about finding your tribe and finding your people so you get that support and that you can leverage and have those resources and tools and just that closeness is, is really important and vital, really does help people sort of, you know, get to where they need to be, or at least have a great journey whilst attempting to do so. I think, you know, I always tell people, no matter, you know, how high you aim for, and you know, as every cliche as it sounds, you got to trust the process and just like enjoy it because once you hit that final stage, it probably never feels like it, it doesn't feel as good. And even if it does, it feels good, probably like a moment, then, you know, you're back to that's reality. So. Yeah. It's definitely the process that you enjoy of getting there and not the destination for sure. My, my, another book recommendation is The Alchemist. Have you heard of that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. <laughs> no worries. But that, that was the book that I read that made me like appreciate the process and the journey and things of that nature. Oh, one other question I have to ask you, how can people get in contact with you? Do you want people to contact you or reach out? To yeah, you or? I'm, 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 I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Jermaine R-E-J. That's I-J-I-E-H. But just search for Ground Talk. Uh, check out the people and I'm there and just, yeah, hit me up. Send an invite. I always accept people. I accept everyone because you never know what can happen. Yeah. And I can learn a lot from others. So I, you know, I think learning is something that I, I always stay true to and always want people to recognize, like can learn something from like a top, like from a zero year old child and 99 year old person. So don't <laughs> try and like act too brand new or different that you can't, it's not, that's not it. Yeah. That's real. Oh, and what's next after ground floor? Are you just kind of like coasting in this moment that you all are in or? No, 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 there's no, there's no, no coasting, unfortunately. It's a case of we're just, you know, trying to seek out other markets. We get a lot of interest and demand from like different places across the state, sometimes in Canada, and just trying to understand where, where, where next best, to be honest. I think, as I said, like there's definitely been, there was an emergency sort of like notice made about like social isolation by the U.S. Health Department and socials, and so this is something that this is you know what we hope to be our life's work. I want to just continue like one like improving the experience and and also just the impact it has on individuals and being able to spread that and share that more widely. That's real. If you all ever open up a location at, in Chicago, let me know because I feel like that's definitely a space where something like this would be needed and appreciate it. So sick. Nice. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Darlene. Thank uh, you. Uh, it's always good to reflect. That's why I, I like doing these every once in a while. Nice. Thank you so much for your time and hopefully you get a chance to enjoy your weekend. Thanks for tuning into this episode. One of the major takeaways for me was around what goes into building community and how people's interests change as we grow and evolve. I'm currently in that space and a question that often comes to mind is when that occurs, how do you find your people that get what it is that you are into, find your tribe and connect? I think this episode is coming out at a perfect time because it's right before the new year and this is typically around the time when most people are ready to transition, shift gears and switch things up a bit. 
I know I am. I'm ready to switch things up and just continue to put myself out there. In fact, one of the goals that I have for next year is continuing to connect with my online creative community through this podcast and by sharing behind the scenes of some of my other creative projects and crafts that I like to indulge in during my downtime. So if you're interested, be sure to connect with me on some of my other social media platforms. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, consider joining my Patreon, subscribing to my YouTube channel, or sharing this episode with someone who you think might find value in our conversation. It really helps me out as a creative entrepreneur And it also helps me continue to share these stories for other creatives who are out here trying to figure things out. Everything we mentioned and discussed will be linked and available in the podcast show notes. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and everything in between. I'm out.